I've been thinking about what it means to be human. If we were just starting a conversation and, and asking the question, what's core to being human? How would we answer that? If it was a good day, if it was a day where we are feeling uh, the joy of being human, we might say uh, being human is the ability to love and to be loved. Or being human is using our hands and our minds to bring about work in this world. Part of being human is paying bills. Part of being human is also some other kinds of feelings, like part of being human means we grieve. Part of being human means we experience difficulty and sadness. Part of being human is that we deal with loss. And I don't know what the core emotions you go through in a given day under this pandemic season we find ourselves in, but there is a not-so-pretty part of being human that seems to show up a lot in my life, and I'm guessing, because you're also human, this part of being human is showing up in your life. Maybe it's because uh, we're seeing each other at our best. Uh, it seems like only the good pictures are being put up on Instagram of when the kids are smiling or when the meal turned out great. Maybe it's on Zoom. Uh, people have figured out, like, like me in my garage, how to get the perfect shot so it looks like it represents only the best parts of who we are. I got a text this week from someone saying, your garage is so organized. And I just got so much joy out of that because that is a joke. And it worked. It worked. I fooled you. We have an organized home and garage. See, I think under this pandemic season, one of the things we struggle with is comparing what we know of ourselves to what we don't know of the other. Part of being human is that we live in a serious state of comparison and judgment. It's, it's not the pretty stuff. It, that comparison isn't typically the kind of comparison we do that we leave that kind of work and feel more joy. Or when we judge the other, it's rare that what we're doing is, is making an assessment on someone and walking away going really, feeling really good about who we are and feeling really good about who they are. Comparison and judgment is part of being human. Jenny told me about an interaction with one of our former pastors and part of our congregation, uh, Pastor Carol Kenyon. She's a chaplain in the hospital. I think she put something on Facebook this week as she goes to work in some of the most horrific and difficult environment probably of her career, and she gets on social media, and it seems like everybody else is living, living their best life. And what was so encouraging was everybody kind of exposing and being vulnerable on Carol's comments about, no, no. <laughs> Don't believe the hype, don't believe the pictures, but we don't show when we just barely could get food on the table this week and our kids ate cereal and cookies. We, we don't show uh, the anxiety before or after yet another Zoom call. We don't show us walking around in the middle of the night because we have some level of anxiety, some level of fear, and so we can't sleep. We don't show those things. We, we tend to show all the good stuff, and what that does, and one of the, the most uh, incredibly, I think, difficult parts about the social media world that we live in, is it only shows the best most of the time. It shows the best of who we are, but most of us live in a time where we're very aware of the worst of who we are. So we're thinking about the worst and the most difficult parts of our lives, but we're seeing the best of everybody else's life, and in that moment, we judge. I judge. I judge 
at every level of especially somebody else's experience that is so dramatically different from the reality that I live in. And, and it's part of being human, is so human that Jesus actually has a teaching for us. And I have found great challenge in this. I have found great challenge in this teaching my entire Christian life. And, and I'm finding encouragement as I've been in the text this morning. Because I have said to you before, and we are still in our Sermon on the Mount series, why I love the Sermon on the Mount is because it shows a human Jesus. We hear teaching after teaching of a Jesus who understands the human experience. He, he understands our tendencies. He understands our motivations. He understands what we do in the way we try to even have a relationship with him and how we mix that up so that we can impress other people. He understands us. And oftentimes, the Jesus that we think about, the Jesus is a very stoic Jesus, a, a Jesus who speaks very calmly, who doesn't have a lot of emotion, a Jesus who kind of floats through life and gives these teachings. We, we have a Jesus that we, we think is mostly God and just very little man. And, and for me, and I hope what you're picking up on, is that as we read the Sermon on the Mount, we see a Jesus that is a human being, a Jesus who deeply connects with what it's like to be human, understanding the worst and best parts of our attempts of living this life. And what we will read in a moment in chapter 7 is not just a Jesus who understands the human condition, but we will see a Jesus who actually has quite a personality, a Jesus who tells a funny story, a Jesus who is exaggerating to make a point, a Jesus who probably had his audience gripped at this moment. Maybe he had just come out of some pretty serious teaching about money and generosity, and, and the, he, he probably knew that everybody needed it changed up, so he goes with a little side story. And if you don't read the humor, and, and if you can't see the personality of Jesus in this text, I pray that you will now. And so we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, just for six verses. And if you could, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Matthew 7, starting in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye while all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, let's bring ourselves up to where we are in this uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. Um, again, let me, let me show you how I see this amazing progression, why we've basically started with chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount and how it leads up to this moment. Because again, Jesus gets us. He understands that even in our devotion to God, we're going we're gonna to mix that up and start, start praying, start giving, start fasting so that everybody else thinks we're awesome and spiritual and that we've arrived at some high level of connection with Jesus. And so he combats that human tendency to make our devotion to God really about impressing one another, right? And we've spent weeks on this. When you give, give this way. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand's going to do. 
Don't announce it. Don't get a lot of credit for it. Don't make sure everybody knows how amazing you are. Even your own body should be in a bit of secrecy, that there's part of you that wouldn't even understand how you are giving. Let it be that quiet, that secret. When you pray, don't, don't be a pastor who uses lots of words and impresses people, but go to your closet and quietly and there, and he gives us a, a way of praying. And we've spent the last three weeks prior to Easter learning of what it looks like to pray and to understand the Lord's Prayer and how that can help us. And then he will go on to teach around fasting, saying there's people who fast, but they let everybody know they're fasting. I've met people like this. I've met people who, when you just ask a question about what, if you could get them a soda or you could get them an iced tea, and they go, I'm fasting right now. And the way that that can come across is, go ahead and have your food and drink. I'm doing the spiritual stuff. And so Jesus again says, when you fast, make sure nobody knows what you're doing. See what he's doing? He's saying, if you want to, uh, if you want to grow in your intimacy with me, then you've got to get less proximate with one another in your spiritual disciplines. You need private. You need quiet. So we've talked talked about how in a pandemic season, what a gift, that one of the gifts of this season that we have to claim and own is that it's quite possible that one of the things we can all come out of this season with is a whole lot more intimacy with Jesus because all the temptations have been taken away. We don't have the same tendency or need to impress when we're with one another. I guess we can do that online, and some of us struggle with that, but the idea is that you've got, you've got a room and a closet and time, so pray. Cultivate your intimacy. And then Jesus goes on from the teaching and he starts speaking about generosity. You remember this one? Uh, Don't store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, uh, but store for yourself treasures in heaven. And we talked about having good eyes because the eyes are the lamp of the body. And really that was a, a Jewish saying at the time of being a generous person. And so Jesus is saying, be devoted to me. Grow in your intimacy with me and live generously. Don't live for the things of the world. Don't just store up a bunch of stuff, but, but look in ways where you can be a blessing. Be, have those good eyes. Don't be stingy. Be generous. And then he continues to teach after generosity about stress and about worry. So see the progression? Have a relationship with Jesus where nobody else recognizes, where you're not doing it to impress anybody else. Live generously in light. And, and don't worry. Because, right, I think one of the challenges that gets in the way of our generosity is what about me? So if I give to someone or if I go without the thing that I want, what about me? And Jesus follows that teaching with, don't you think I will take care of you? Be generous. Have good eyes and trust me. Trust me, if I take care of the birds, I will take care of you. And it's a call to this daily provision, daily living. And here's what blows me away about where judgment comes. Think about this. Think about the lifetime it takes to grow in these things, to grow in my intimacy with Jesus, to grow in my generosity, to grow in my trust of God um, that, that I don't need to worry. I can live one day at a time. And I actually think part of being human, part of following Jesus is that we can see great progression in these things in our lifetime and in different seasons. And what ends up happening when we actually sometimes have victory when we actually grow, when we live the way God calls us to live. So I have learned to be more generous. I have. I have learned how to live one day at a time. The human response and reaction is almost immediate. Since I'm doing this, you ought to be doing this too. It immediately shifts from the private, intimate, 
way that Jesus is cultivating us to put us to a place of comparison and judgment of other people. So I think it following all of these teachings is Jesus saying, I get you. I get you. So devote to me. Live lightly and generously. Don't worry about tomorrow and stop judging other people for the way they're living. Now, let me be clear. When we read this text, I don't think what Jesus is saying is that as a follower of Jesus, you should never have an opinion or you should never offer correction or that we don't know what is good or bad or right or wrong. It's not that kind of judgment that Jesus is speaking about. Throughout the scriptures, we can see God cultivating wisdom in the people of God. Throughout the scriptures, we can see, and Jesus very clearly calling us to a way of living. There is ways of living God's way, and there are ways of living our way and the enemy's way. This is not a call. These are not verses that we get to use where a bunch of Christians get to walk around and don't have an opinion about anything or don't offer any kind of alternative truth when we see something that is not Right, it's, it's deeper than that. It's not that specific. It's more human. John Calvin says about this scripture, what, kind, what we think about judgment, he's saying an undue eagerness to judge. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher, said it's being hypercritical. Really what Jesus is talking about is having a condemning attitude, a way in which we look at other people and we're quick to be critical. We're quick to, uh, to, to see the fault. Some of us even have an eagerness to see error. Some of us, that's how we come to church, if we're honest. We come to church kind of with our arms crossed going, at what point are they going to do something or say something that really frustrates me or that I disagree with? That's that hypercritical spirit. That's what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying that condemning attitude, don't do that. Because when you do that, just be prepared. I will bring that same measure to you. And you don't want me to have an overly critical judgment of you. He'll go on to teach about judgment at the end of the sermon. So hang in there. We'll see how God judges and how his judgment is right. And he's also declaring through the entirety of the sermon that when it comes to judging, it is God's to do that. Our job is to live the way of living. So if, if, if the scripture isn't about not having an opinion, not speaking up when there's wrong to say right, but, but it's really about that attitude, that critical attitude, that eagerness to judge, that just waiting for somebody to do something right, what is Jesus getting at in this scripture? And I have three words for us today, and then we will we'll move on. We get another song from Jordan. And the first word is humility. Really, when you read this scripture, it is a call to humility. Verses 1 to 4, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Jesus is calling people who are listening to him, and he's calling you and he's calling me to be people of great humility. And the trouble with looking at somebody else and being hypercritical and waiting for them to mess up is that our focus is on that person, and Jesus is saying, put the mirror up first. See, we do this all the time, right? When, when, when we expect someone to uh, write us a thank you note and it never comes and Jesus is saying, how many thank you notes have you written? 
I hope you've written all those. Or when we're driving, I can't believe that they were going that fast or that they made that turn. And how many times have we driven fast or made that exact same turn? Jesus is calling the people to have their mirror up. We'll see in a moment that there is a place for us to help others and to see what's going on over there. But the starting point in this teaching is one of reflection, one of humility. Martin Lloyd-Jones says something about this text, again, that I found so good that we just have to use it word for word. He says that overreactive judgment is really a mask for self-righteousness. And I think what Jesus is calling us to is self-awareness over self-righteousness. The whole context of the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've got to outdo the righteousness of the Pharisees, chapter 5. It's this right way of living. It's this way of living. And, and part of the ways that we are self-righteous is when we spend our time being overly critical, hypercritical, eager to see error in other people. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 start with you. Self-awareness over self-righteousness. And if we're honest, how often are we reflecting about ourselves? Have you thought about the fact that for many of us, we always think we're the smartest person in the room? You ever think about the fact that some of us think most of everybody else is missing the, the nuggets of wisdom and truth that we'd have and know and live and you ever think about the fact that most of us can live around thinking that everybody else is just kind of wrong, but they're not as right as me? See, this kind of attitude that, that doesn't uh, properly see ourselves for the kind of people we are holding the exact same errors as everyone else is a self-righteous attitude. And in this call to humility is Jesus calling us to be self-aware, to see our own stuff. Don't judge. Be aware of the way, the way you're, 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 you're putting it out there on that other person. You don't want me to bring that to you. And, and yes, there's some things in other people, but by the way, there's a huge thing in you. So be aware of yourself first. Understanding the measure that you use on other people takes an incredible amount of self-reflection and self-awareness. Understanding how we impact a room, impact relationship, the kind of person that shows up in certain kinds of environments. This kind of person that I am and that you are is the very kind of person that Jesus says, be aware of. And what I love about Jesus is he's actually showing through this story about a log and a dust that when it comes to judging the other person, it's nearly impossible to do it correctly. That's the humor, sawdust and plank. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter. He's using the, the things of his life to make a point. I mean, how can you really see a tiny particle of sawdust in somebody else's eye when your view is obstructed by a beam? This was exaggeration. This was Jesus telling a, a joke. Some of you think it's a baby boomer joke, but it's still a joke. Jesus is making a statement here of saying, it is impossible for you to do what you naturally do, so don't do it, number one. And second, before you actually attempt to help somebody else, deal with yourself first. It's a call to humility. What does humility look like for you in this time of pandemic? What does it mean to have some time to have, be self-aware, to understand the logs in your own eye? 
find it so uh, troubling that oftentimes what rocks the church, what rocks the movement of Jesus in this world are pastors and leaders who have these public failures. And what's so interesting is we could probably roll the tape on all of them where they were imploring congregations and people to not live the way that they had been living. See, that's a plank and a sawdust thing. And it's in self, times of self-reflection, self-assessment, that we can begin to see who we really are and watch God remove the planks of our lives. So first, it's a call to humility. Second, it's also a call to helping. Verse 5, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clearly, you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's see this. This, again, this proves the point. This is not that we're supposed to go blindly through life, not being care, care and have care and concern for people who, who have some errors, who are missing things, who are living not the way of God, that, 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 that are having a, a, a weird relationship with truth. This is not that we just kind of like have no personality, no opinion, no emotion. But when we do have those urges toward the other, it's to help them and not condemn them. There is a place to see what's happening in one another. It's interesting that we're only supposed to see after we've done some self-surgery. And being a follower of Jesus requires constant self-surgery. Constant. We'll talk about that in a moment. What John Stott says about this text, it's not a requirement for followers of Jesus to be blind, but really it's a plea to be generous. The call to helping is a call on your life and my life, yes, to do some self-surgery, but then we can see clearly to then do the help. It's really a call for generosity again. It's a call towards compassion. It's a call towards kindness. But see, that's not how our judging works, right? I don't create an opinion about somebody that I'm comparing the worst of me with the best of them. I don't walk away from that going, oh, good for them. Good for them that their kids are amazing. No, but really what Jesus is saying is we need to get to a place where good for them. Or to be generous, not condemning, not like, what are they thinking? More of, hmm, how can, we, how can I be kind? How can I approach this differently? Not in a condemning way. Uh, about a week ago, I braved the grocery store for my in-laws. Needed to get brownie bites, powdered sugared brownie bites for my mother-in-law. And I was at the self-checkout of the store, and this man was having a super hard day. And I think what he ultimately was trying to do, and if you're listening, hi, it's me. I had the purple mask on. But what he, he was trying to help somebody else, and I think the policy of the store was he needed to be six feet away. And so the, the employees of the store were kind of on him and saying, no, you can't do that, sir. And he just broke and, and said, look, my family is getting over this virus. I just want to help. And he started kind of getting really upset. And, and it wasn't de-escalating. And I stopped checking out. And I had a choice to make. The football player, Jeff, wanted to escort him out of Ralph's. But the follower of Jesus, Jeff, prayerfully, thank God, showed up. And I didn't lead with, you need to leave, sir. I led with, I am so sorry of what's happening in your family. 
And I understand that I think we're all just doing the best that we can. They're doing your best, you're doing your best. And I am, I'm so sorry what's going on with you, but I, could I, could I help you walk out? Can, I, I just don't think anything positive is gonna happen. See, it was a generous response, but the, the, the human Jeff, I, I wanted to be a security guard, not a pastor. See, our being able to see what's happening in the other is to help them, not to condemn them. Seeing what's happening in one another is to, to help them see more clearly as we can see clearly. Which really is a call not just to helping, but it's a call to growth. Because I need to see like Jesus more and more, and as I can see like Jesus more and more, I can help others see as Jesus sees. It's a call to humility. It's a call to helping. And finally, it's a call to be discerning. And that's this last section that just seems so odd. And I do wonder what the listeners back then were doing with it. But you uh, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample on them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So the first thing we have to recognize that clearly a dog, uh, when Jesus was teaching, is very different than what a dog is in our life. I mean, I have a Labradoodle. Um, I, we, we post pictures of our dogs. They're very domesticated. They're very cute. They're not going to tear things up outside of, well, maybe some of them. So in this context, first we have to understand dogs were like savages, just roaming the streets. They were not cute, cuddly pets. They were eager to break into trash and eager to, to, to destroy. They, were eager, they, were, they, they weren't domesticated and pigs in the same kind of way. And what Jesus is teaching in this one verse is saying, recognize, per, so pigs and dogs, they're just, they're just a certain way. They're vicious, they're brutal, they're disgraceful. And Jesus has just spent so much time teaching things like love your neighbor, love your enemy. You need to mirror God's graciousness. Now he's saying don't have a judgmental attitude. But what Jesus is teaching in this moment is that we don't live life without discernment. And so why would you take something precious like a pearl and put it out for someone like a dog or a pig that would destroy it, that will trample over it, who can't appreciate the gift? And you can go into theories and research if, if he's talking about people and what kind of people, but at the end of the day, the teaching of Jesus is you've got to be able to see a dog for a dog. You've got to see a pig for a pig, and you have to understand the pearls that we have in the gospel of Jesus. And there are going to be just times where we've got to walk away, where we've seen something correctly, where yes, we've been humble, yes, we've attempted to help, but we also have to live life in a discerning way. It's easy that the goal might be, when we follow Jesus, just to be nice and to be distant from speaking up, correcting or having convictions. This verse is talking about giving precious pearls to dogs and pigs. It's a call to be discerning, to know who's out there and to know what we have. And I think what's really important is to understand that I think we live in, a, in an opposite way than the way Jesus has preached this. One verse on being discerning, five verses on being humble and help. And, and, and I think there's an emphasis here in the teaching. I think we spend five verses-ish being discerning. Who are the dogs? Who are the pigs? Who's doing it wrong? We start with that judgment, 
and then hopefully over a lifetime grow to being humble and being helpful. And I think, so let's hold it in the right order. The call of this verse is to be humble, to be helpful, but to also be wise and discerning. But if you have a choice, Lake Avenue Church, around being helpful or not being helpful, being humble and not being humble, the teaching stands on its own. It's a call for discernment, not necessarily distance. I have a friend of mine that I grew up with, and over the years we continue to go back and forth around issues of faith and Jesus And there are moments where those conversations seem like they're netting something. There's many moments where I'm not sure they do. But a few years ago, I had this, uh, I believe, an epiphany as we were talking. Because I felt like no matter how much time I spent preparing answers for questions that he was asking, only when I would give answers, then a new question would raise. Like it was this game of chess we were playing where I really wasn't picking up the fact that, that he actually was curious. And so I just said, hey, do you want to know truth? Or do you just want to, like, go back and forth? And he was super honest. He goes, no, I don't really want to know the truth. I just want to keep this going. And because he didn't want to know truth, I think it's one of those things where I go, I got this pearl here, the gospel. And I have someone in front of me, yes, who I love. I've tried to help, who I'm humble. I don't think of myself more differently than him. But at the end of the day, I got to walk away. Because I have this pearl, I've got to get to someone who's eager. It's discernment. It's not distance. I still love that person. I pray for that person. I still talk to that person. But I had to discern. So how do we apply this? Very, very quickly. How do we grow in our self-awareness and humility? And I'm going to recommend that you, if you're not familiar, come aware of uh, 400 years ago, St. Ignatius of Loyola created a daily prayer of examine. In fact, You should get the free application. It's called Reimagining the Examine. And what it is is a daily prompt where we think about things like where I saw God's presence during the day, review the day with gratitude, pay attention to the emotions I experienced during the day, to choose one feature of the day and to pray from that perspective and to look forward to tomorrow. It's a daily kind of prayer that gives us the space that in the context of our intimacy with Jesus, reflecting on who we are, how we experience the day. And, and you can Google the exam, daily examined prayer. Pastor Janine Smith can get you things on that. But you can also get this amazing app that very creatively each day just walks you through a couple of prompts. I think that's one way we can grow in our self-awareness is daily to do some reflection. And why not do the reflection with Jesus? So if you want to grow in your self-awareness and humility, I encourage you to start reflecting daily. And a tool you can use is the prayer, the examined prayer. How do we grow in our helping? And I would say this, Lake Avenue Church, it's really about our reactions. It's the way we react when we see someone doing something we don't agree with. It's the way we respond when we see someone living the way that they said they don't want to live. It's that, 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 that comparison drive. Like when we see something that's bothering us, that forces us to compare and to judge, it's working on our reactions. And I would say that there are two reactions that are most helpful in my own life in the way I stop judging other people and move towards helping. And one is the virtue, I'll call it a virtue, of curiosity. 
Instead of being the judge and jury on someone, it's easier and more helpful to be curious. I think we've lost the ability to be curious. We just talk over each other. You said this, I said this, you meant this, I mean this. There's no dialogue in one of the most beautiful parts of growing in our connection with one another is being curious about one another. So help me understand how you see that. I mean, I've noticed this. So help me, can you, I, I would love to know how you make that decision, how you made that decision, or how, why you put that up there. I, I think one of the greatest tools the followers of Jesus could give this world isn't just declaring <laughs> they're wrong, but investing in a way that says, help me understand. Because curiosity spurs curiosity and the relationship and connections. And I find myself, when I am tempted to judge someone else, that my best response of being curious usually simmers me down and can place me in a a position of compassion, a position of curiosity. And I also think kindness is a reaction that I work on all the time. So I'll let you in on a secret. I don't know how many pastors would tell you this. We're quite an insecure bunch. A lot of of church leaders are. And the comparison game, I mean, forget about it. And, and, And comparing my church and my life with somebody else's church and somebody else's life and the resources we have versus the resources they have, this constant comparison, and I have found when I find myself judging and comparing in people in my same kind of vocation, that if I can stop that and just send the person I'm obsessing on a text saying, I'm praying for you, thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom of God, that that discipline of extending kindness in the place of judgment and comparison really helps me become the kind of person that Jesus is speaking about. So if you want to grow, and I pray you want to grow and you're, you're helping, react. it's your reactions. React with curiosity, react with kindness. Don't react with gossip. Don't react with obsessing over in looking at all the pictures. React differently. If you want to grow in your discernment, really, it's about continuing to understand God's word. To continue to learn. There's a whole lot of Christians who stopped learning a long time ago who may at one point have pulled the plank out, but, but that thing has grown back. And so I'm comparing the plank I pulled out 20 years ago with the reality of right now, and it's hard for me to actually see what's happening because it's been a long time since I've been learning something new about myself and about Jesus. And so how are you learning? How are you growing? We grow in prayer. We grow in the study of God's word. We grow in community when we can have vulnerable conversations where we can bring the worst of ourselves to a space and not always have to bring the best of ourselves to the space. So Lake Avenue Church this week, as you're stuck, as we do what we do, compare and judge, I pray this, I pray that you would grow in your humility, spend some time self-reflecting, praying that prayer of examine, that when you have the tendency to judge one another, respond with curiosity in your heart, kindness in your life. Don't give in to the easy task of judging, of being hypercritical. But I also pray that we grow in our discernment, that we would understand what God has given us, that we would understand the, not just the the gospel he's given us, but the platform he's given us so that we can, we can be discerning and live the kind of life he's called us to. So it's not a call just to be mindless, thoughtless Christians, be really thoughtful. But the more I study this Bible, 
the more it causes me actually to be more humble. It causes me to lean towards helping versus judging. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to discern. Let me pray for us and we'll close our service with one more song and our benediction, which has some good information. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you sent your son and that he fully understands the human experience. He so gets us. He knows this tendency in us to be self-righteous. He knows this tendency as a part of being human to to judge other people, to live an overly and hypercritical life where where we're eager to see the fault in one another. So as, as human as those responses are in our souls, we need you, God, to change us, to change us from the inside out. Help us this week, just this week, God, grow in humility, grow in our helping reaction, grow in our discernment. I pray that the intimacy with which all of us will be with you this week would see change in our lives so that when we go on social media a week from now, we'll be more gracious to one another. We'll be more kind to one another. We'll be more aware of who we are so that we can be more bold in who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.